Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alleycast podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And welcome to this week's weekly recap, where we're going to be going over the Batcats, both editions of golf, men and women's, as well as the wacky segment of the week. We don't have much to cover here, or at least it doesn't seem like it. But trust me, we have a lot to say about the Batcats, which is why we're going to start with them. So the the first little series is up against Texas, number 21 in the nation. I believe they actually moved up to like 19 in the rankings after this series. So we're not a terrible loss. <laughs> I guess we're, we're a notable win, if you would. But it was a 1-2 split series. We lost the first game 5-6. to six. We'll talk about it. We won the second game 6-5 to five, and then lost the last game 2-8. to eight. And we can just sort of start from the top because like we said last week, it's we're at the point where we may as well go in depth because we're in conference play and also we have nothing better to do. <laughs> but the first game in in a season that has had a number of remarkably painful moments, including coming off of one of them versus Nebraska. I mean, you've had losses up against St. Thomas where you only put up one run and then losing to Nebraska. This arguably could have been could be the most painful loss of the year so far. And it's not because who we lost to was bad, like the Nebraska or the St. Thomas losses. It is because it was one of the most miraculous choke jobs that the Batcats have put together in several years. That's what makes it hurt. Yeah, um, I, I didn't realize you were cueing me for a second. It's all good. I could fix that in post. Yeah, but yeah, this was a uh, particularly spectacular choke job by the uh, the Batcats. I had zero faith going into this series. I had no expectations. And all of a sudden we were up five to one in the bottom of the eighth inning and the wheels just completely fell off. I we we had a great game up until that point, but a huge seventh inning. Um, but man, we we just completely and utterly collapsed. All started with uh, some struggles in left field, and um, then Tyrell came in for Borama and wasn't able to get control as quickly as we needed him to. He settled down at the end of the inning, but by that point, we had gone from up five one down six five. And just pretty atrocious um, into this game. And then we just didn't really put up much of a fight in the top of the ninth. I mean, what do you do in that situation, I guess? There were some incredible moments in this game, like the Cole Johnson suicide squeeze to score two. Like, <laughs> I I personally have not seen that before. I, yeah. I don't I don't think <laughs> yeah. we'll see it again, ever. Yeah, that... That was pretty unbelievable to get a two RBI sacrifice bunt uh, with an out. Uh, so that that was pretty incredible. Cole, Cole Johnson, batting wise, had a really great four game stretch this weekend. Um, uh, at the plate, he looked about as comfortable as he's looked in quite some time. It felt like, and more often than not, really did come up clutch. And uh, um, was great down the stretch. 
with the uh, Creighton game as well. But back to Texas, just, man, we really had an opportunity to take a 1-0 lead in this series. And on the road, finally, this would have been a perfect opportunity to get the narrative about road struggles um, off our back. And uh, unfortunately, we're not able to do that. I mean, this one hurt especially because I had no expectations. And then we go from that to all of a sudden I check the score and we're up or we're up five, one. And I'm like, man, I, I should have had expectations. And then I gets ripped away yep. all, all at once. And that hurt. That, that was what hurt was not having those expectations, then getting them and then losing them all in like oh, 20 game. minutes. And I feel like the the worst part about this is everyone will focus and everyone will remember the fact that this game was choked away in the second to last inning that it possibly could have been choked away. You know what people won't remember? Owen Borama going seven, striking out 12, only walking one person. Huh? He was unbelievable. Like that's the one of the best starts for a K State pitcher in years, like, and that's including Jordan Wicks, and uh, yeah, it's a, a Jordan Wicks. That's yeah, it's like, <laughs> you could throw Eric Torres, but he didn't really have good starts. Yeah, he wasn't really a start. He was a reliever, so uh, yeah, so pretty much just Jordan Wicks. But anywho, that Borma he gets credited with four earned runs. That's I think that's I, <laughs> I think that that's some uh, um, advantageous scoring um, from the uh, um, um, home field. That's some home field scoring, I guess is how I'll put it. Um, in that eighth inning, there was a two run RBI double that from what it sounded like on the radio. And again, no one on earth could watch this game because it was on the Longhorn Network. So we'll never know. But Based on what was said on the radio broadcast, it sounded like it was a misplay in left field as opposed to a hit. And I I get that the scoring around outfield errors is kind of finicky. Like, Like, did it touch the glove? Did it not? Like, what actually is an error? In my mind, if you have a reasonable chance to make the play and you don't because you screw up on your own, that's an error. And... I from what it sounds like again, I did not have eyes on this. I am relying on the smooth baritones of Brian Smoller to <laughs> deliver this information to me. And uh, from what he was relaying over the airwaves, it sounded like it was a misplay, which really, really, really sucks. Like because it happened twice. Yeah, it happened again in the same inning and. The second time was not for runs, but it was to continue their scoring. Uh, or the first time it was not for runs. The second time, I think it was that double RBI double. I don't remember. It all runs together. But it's really especially frustrating because that tells me it's preventable. And then tells me that if we don't actively mess up, that we play a better game and we take that series. That That's what really makes it hurt. And and it's kind of encapsulates the season in, in a nutshell. There's talent on this team, but they 
seem to make mistakes when it counts most, especially against quality competition. Again, that's that's separates the wheat from the chaff is how you perform in those high leverage situations. And unless your name was Owen Borma, you were not up to the you were not going to be up to the task. I guess Roberto Pena. But no, that's that strikeouts. Never mind. I thought that was walks at first. Oops. So not him. Cash usually had two walks and uh yeah, Cash did. Yeah, Cash was good. Um Cole Johnson again at the plate, uh the never before seen oh for four uh, two RBI. Yeah, oh for four two RBI, uh with the uh um uh, uh suicide squeeze for two RBIs. Well, we may never see that again. But um that was unbelievable. He did leave the bases juiced. Which that was another issue was runners left on uh, in this series. We we left a lot of guys on base. And Seven were, in this first game. Yeah, and that that's not even. That's also been a theme. Yeah, especially leaving the bases loaded. We've been leaving the bases loaded a lot. We are remarkably proficient at getting the bases loaded in a variety of ways, and then once the time comes to like unjuice the bases we just kind of seem to lose the plate vision that we've actually been quite good at this year mm-hmm. we we've drawn the most walks in the country as i recall yeah um brady day does nothing but walk pretty much and i don't mean that as an insult i just mean he has incredible plate vision yeah and the man just does yeah. not like he doesn't the one time that I've seen him strike out looking, the ball was legitimately maybe three or four feet off the plate, and the umpire just missed the call. Yeah. Um, Brady Day has been phenomenal this year. That's a side point, I guess. And Brendan Jones, while he does strike out more than he should for when he was a leadoff guy, he does also walk a ton. So, but I digress on that. Um, Borma deserves all the credit in the world. And like you said, no one's going to remember it. 12 strikeouts and in seven innings against uh, number 21 Texas on the road. That's incredible stuff. Uh, and then Ty Rule is going to get dumpstered when, again, like I'm like he doesn't deserve it. Like th- there are a few times this season that I feel Ty Rule has been like fairly criticized. I, I, and the, the big one that comes to mind is it's not the LSU game because that one I truly believed he was screwed. He was left out to dry. Uh oh, what was the other? Like he has had three losses on the season. I don't remember Baylor. what. Oh yeah, Baylor. Like that one. That's the one where I would almost certainly say, yeah, that's on him. LSU. He was that's left out bad. to dry. This game, it was just another defensive error, and unfortunately, it isn't called an error. So everyone's going to look at the box score and say, oh, Tyrell sucks. No, he doesn't. He's our best reliever, and he has been for about a year and a half. I'm going to counter that with Tyson Neighbors, though. I Ooh, Okay, I lied. Yeah. He's our second. He is our second best reliever. He is very time. solidly, very, very solidly our second best reliever as things stand right now. But Tyson Neighbors has been like, on another planet this season. Like, you know he's, he's been married? H- hilariously good. What? He's married. Tyson Neighbors? Yes. Really? According to the K-State Extra article that was posted like two days ago, he's married. Huh. I didn't know that. Congrats, I guess. Congrats, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good for you, Tyson. But no, yeah, he's been 
unbelievable. He had one bad outing against Iowa, and that's it. That's it. He he decided yeah. no more after that. Yeah, he's got 14 appearances, 42 strikeouts to six walks. 42 strikeouts to six walks. What's his ERA at? It's like it has to be like in the ones, right? 1.16. That is nuts. That is unbelievable. Yeah, so that, that we can kind of talk about that. That kind of can kind of transition into the next game. Oh, uh, fun fact, Tyson Neighbors has not given up any runs in a month. Iowa game. Oh my god. He gave he's given up 3 runs all year. One in the first in his first outing against Stephen F. Austin, one against Iowa, one against Youngstown State. He has appeared in eight games since that time and has not allowed a single run. Good, allegedly. Yeah, that can kind of transition into the next game, which was Tyson Neighbors' fifth save. Uh, This was the one game of the series that K-State won. It was six to five. And this was his fifth uh, Tyson neighbors, fifth save on the year. Tyler Haney's second victory on the year, despite him not getting the start. That was a uh, Herman Fajardo. Herman had after his best outing that we've ever seen from him kind of came back down to earth going three and a third, uh, four earned runs, two walks, only one strikeout. And then a balk because this is K state sports is the only place I've ever seen track box, but Tyler Haney and Tyson Neighbors really did like nail it down for the rest of the game. Kyler Haney only gives up one run, uh, two strikeouts, uh, face nine batters or 10 batters, nine official ABs. Kyler Haney has quietly been a really solid relief arm out of the pen for K State. I think the way that it's gone, and I, I think Pete's sort of figured this out is game one almost always belongs to Ty Rule getting the ball out of the bullpen. Game two goes to Kyler Haney, and then game three either goes back to Ty Rule or goes to Shea Hardis. And, you know, Kyler Haney's quietly been pretty solid. He hasn't been a world beater. He hasn't been Tyson Neighbors because Tyson Neighbors is Tyson Neighbors. But he's been solid. Yeah, he he's given um, Haney two five seven ERA so far in nine appearances. He hasn't appeared as much, uh, which has been kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't see him a ton, um, but he's all around been pretty solid. I think you put it well. He's not a super flashy pitcher. He doesn't do one thing that you look at and think, "Wow, this guy's really good." But he's just all around pretty solid Uh, he doesn't do much wrong he's generally not a long reliever the lone exception being a 49 pitch appearance against air force but most of the time he's short relief not really getting further than the mid-20s um but he's he's been pretty impressive um in his ability to keep games intact and to not really let anything get out of hand so I, i i've enjoyed Kyler Haney, although he is definitely overshadowed by the inconsistency of Ty Rule and the dominance of Tyson Neighbors this year, because yeah, Tyson Neighbors, he's somebody that I think we're gonna have to worry about uh, going Leaving. and getting drafted. Yeah, like because I'm pretty sure he's draft eligible. 
I'm not 100% sure how draft eligibility works in college baseball anymore because I know they've changed the rules a couple of times, but Tyson Neighbors is just absolute nails. And he he is almost certainly going to have a very long career uh, in baseball after K-State at yeah. this rate. I mean, 42 strikeouts to six walks is pretty ludicrous. <laughs> Uh, it, like, it's such a big development from last year when we called the Tyson neighbors special walking the bases loaded and then getting three straight strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, la- look, look at this last year, 2022 last year, Tyson neighbors, 5.4 ERA and eight in the third innings pitch. He only pitched eight in the third innings. That is wild. Cause I remember him a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. 14 walks, 13 strikeouts, a lot of 267 average. Uh, this year, one one six ERA, twenty twenty three and a third, um, six walks, forty two strikeouts, allowing a one two five batting average uh, for opponents. He's he's been nails. He's been the sole consistent arm out of the bullpen this yeah. year for kid. The sole consistent and high level arm, I guess I'll say. We can throw Kyler Haney in there as well. Although I do think he's still a step down from Tyson Neighbors, and I don't think that's an insult. I just think Tyson Neighbors is playing he's on, on all Big planet. Twelve. He's at an all Big Twelve level right now. But yeah. there's only one Tyson Neighbors on this team. We need another guy to emerge. Yeah, and Ty Rule when he's on is he's not like this ungodly leap down. It's just that he has to be on. And it seems like at this point, every, I don't know, fourth or fifth outing, he's just kind of off or he gets left in too long. But anyway, this game, uh, seven left on base for the, the, the batting, you know, at this point, you just kind of, that's, I think that's kind of the floor for this team. Um, Cash usually two for five. Um, and then Pelletier and Pena both go two for four. Pena gets two RBIs. Brendan Jones goes one for four with an RBI and a strikeout. You know, I I, I think, and this was a, a game where Dom Hughes actually goes back to left field, putting Cole Johnson in the, the designated hitter spot. This is no disrespect to Cole Johnson. He belongs at the designated hitter spot, not because he's absolutely ungodly atrocious in the field, it's not to the level of where I, I think he should actively like just never play in the field ever. I just think that we probably have better options. I would almost recommend putting Carson Quick in left field. I just don't think he's quite ready from what we've seen. Not defensively. I think defensively he's fine. I think the bat, that he, the bat's not there yet. The bat's not there yet, which it'll come with time. This team desperately needs zach kakoska or dom johnson uh yeah if dominic johnson had not gotten drafted last year and hung around things would be very different for this team right now i think uh because he was left field last year and he was so reliable uh especially as a bat his bat was unbelievable and uh the this team there's just yeah there's just a a it's been a, a bit of a rotating cast at left field at times. We've seen some Carson Quick, we've seen some Dom Hughes, we've seen uh, a lot of Cole Johnson as well. And Cole Johnson is not always like a bad left fielder, um, but he, we, we've we've seen him move around a lot in his K State career. It seems like there hasn't been one defensive spot that we're really fine with him at. We even saw him play a little bit of first this yeah, we, year. His well. first game was his first game playing first base was this year. Yeah, he he 
played a lot of center field last year, DHs. He he does quite a few different things, but yeah, this is it, it he he's been solid with the bat as of late. Um had a uh, um, a nice uh, double uh, in this game against Texas in the 6-5 win. Uh he um has been good. Um, he had a uh, sack fly as well to tie the game in the seventh um, and that fourth inning double scores Brady day. So, I mean, he's, he's doing some things right, but it's just kind of putting it all together and getting really consistent with it. But I mean, as I, I, I want him to succeed because I want the bad cats to succeed, but yeah. you know, I, um, I mean, it was just a rough outing for him against Texas and it happens, but just, was not an opportune time to um, not have a good inning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The only home run for the second game was Brendan Jones. And we already kind of went over the, the pitching stats. So this was, this was our one victory and it was, it was pretty solid. Like uh, you, you can be happy with this one, especially with Tyson neighbors at this point. I, it's the slam the door. It's the Mariano Rivera effect. He comes in, the game's over. Shut up. Like there's nothing you can do. And it's, I can imagine that that's a very helpless feeling. <laughs> yeah. He, he's just unbelievable. He brings great energy to the mound as well. Uh, I mean, he gets really hype up there on the mound. Um, and he, he, he just brings a really great confidence to, to the mound as well. He, he goes into every single at bat, believing that he can strike out the guy in front of him in three pitches. And more often than not, he's capable of doing that. Who was it that he came in for like three innings that he was yawning after he struck out the side? I don't remember, but I do remember remember this happening. I I do remember that happening. I I don't remember what game that was, though. (laughs) I wish I did, because that was certainly something that happened. But yeah, yeah, he's he's been nails. Um, Kalen Culpepper, um, finally getting a a nice series um back in i we've really missed kaylin Culpepper. i know he's been back for a little bit but like it's still worth noting i know he him at the hot corner just he, he just makes everything look really easy defensively like there there is so much to love about kaylin Culpepper in the field nick goodwin as well credit to him has been yeah. really good in the field. And we have been critical of him as a fielder in the past because he wasn't good at it. Like <laughs> just being honest. Yeah, but he has been fantastic this season. That left side of the infield has re- has been virtually error free for a while, especially when Kalen Culpepper is at third and is healthy. So a lot of credit to those guys because they they have earned it. Yeah. So unfortunately, now we have to talk about the last game. This was uh, an eight to two loss for uh, for K State. Uh, we we can kind of talk about the weird things that happened first. Uh, firstly, Texas's manager and their center fielder both got ejected, both for the same reason, arguing balls and strikes. And well, actually, the manager got ejected because the umpire was saying "get back in the damn box" because they kept taking too long between pitches. <laughs> um. And then in retribution for getting ejected from the game, Kalen Culpepper gets slid into at third base, uh, gets cleated in the hand that he hurt. 
And I'm not saying that the radio broadcast made it sound intentional. However, he's not not saying that. I, uh, I'm yes, not denying that. And then the next inning after Kalen Culpepper gets slid into in his injured hand, we thought he was we honestly Hunter and I were panicking. We thought that he was going to be out for another month because it really sounded like he re-injured it again. It, it yeah, I really did. And then he gets hit by a pitch in the next day. <laughs> that one wasn't intentional. That one, I guarantee, wasn't intentional. But at the same time, it's just... Caitlin Culpepper led the team in hit by pitches last year. I just want the man to get a break. Uh, he he cannot catch a break. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, not a pretty game, unfortunately. Uh, the, this loss to Texas... Uh, Pitching really struggled across the board. Uh, the only guy to really have uh, a clean sheet was Shea Hardis, uh, who's somebody that's been very up and down this year, uh, but pretty much went out and threw nothing but fastballs and got out of the inning in 10 pitches. So congrats, Shea. Uh, granted, it was in the eighth inning, so the game was well in hand. Over. But we were talking about left on base earlier. We... uh stranded 13 in oh, this game absolutely God. horrific and uh <laughs> suboptimal i'd say even um batting wise we had six hits cole johnson had a uh, solo home run to cut a deficit down but it didn't that, that was the last run we'd score that was in the fourth inning uh roberto pena had two hits cash usually had a double but it's, he was kind of nursing an injury um, throughout the game, Brady Day once again draws two walks and does not strike out. He's he just does that. That's pretty normal. Yeah, honestly. That's, that's just Brady Day. But yeah, we uh, I, I as I recall, we stranded runners at third in the fourth, fifth, sixth, uh, and seventh innings, and then uh. Uh, we also left the bases loaded uh, in the top of the ninth. Uh, when we had two innings in this game. It was the uh, uh, the ninth, the fourth and the ninth, where we left the bases juiced. Uh, we left two on in the first as well. Uh, so just, man. It's not acceptable. It's just not. Like, you can't, you can't leave 13 on base and then leave the bases loaded twice and expect to win against anyone, much less a ranked team away. Yeah, uh, that's just not something you can do, especially if you're not getting anything out of it. And we just, we weren't, like, it'd be one thing if we were, like, leaving bases loaded but still getting a couple runs out of an inning or one run or something. But multiple times getting nothing out of an inning while leaving the bases loaded, that's pretty painful. And uh, we had our opportunities to... uh, so to really contend and compete in this game and we just couldn't do it. Yeah. The, the, the pitching, like you mentioned earlier, it wasn't great. Jack Wentworth returned to the starting rotation, uh, ends up giving up four runs, two innings, Corso, Blake Corsentino, who I, I, I still think he's probably playing hurt. <laughs> uh, he gave up two, uh, Ty Rule goes one inning, gives up two. This was another one of his inconsistent outings. 
Mason Bus goes two, gives up three hits, two walks, but doesn't allow any runs. He loaded up the bases once, I believe, but was able to get out of it. Yeah. And then Shea Hardis obviously has his one inning. So all in all, this last game is just a game to forget. And it really does leave us with a lot of questions about who the third starter is, among other things. Because we've sort of been looking for that third. Because Jack Wentworth ended up being our second starter at the beginning of the year. He ended up getting kicked basically to the bullpen to improve his control. That left us without a third starter. But the good news is that we may have actually just found an answer to that in the Crichton game. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, because Wentworth coming off of uh, injured true freshman season didn't play at all. Uh, So he's a redshirt freshman right now. Um, has not been fantastic. Highly, highly, highly touted recruit out of high school, but he's not really finding it yet at the college level. But yeah, we um, saw a fantastic outing uh, from one Colin Rothermel, uh, who was a uh, um, we we had been wondering to ourselves where he had been, yeah, <laughs> because um, we remembered kind of liking his stuff last year, and we just had not seen him at all. Um, but we saw him play a not very great start against West Virginia, only go two and a third. But he was awesome against Creighton. Yeah, he, he had a killer curveball uh, and uh, ended up getting six strikeouts and six innings, only allowing two hits uh, and two walks, um, no runs allowed, 99 pitches. Uh, that's a really great start for Colin Rothermill. Yeah. I honestly, if. If because he's another person who who came on late because he was nursing an injury earlier this year, I'm not sure we know or will ever know how injured the bullpen truly is, because there there have been a couple of names that we've only seen once or twice, and while I can explain seeing one or two of those guys once or twice, there there have been a few times where I'm like, okay, like where's Corso, where's Rothermel, uh, Hassel, we know what happened, Hassel's hurt, but. <laughs> Actually, he'd probably be in the rotation, wouldn't he? He'd probably be the number two starter, I'd imagine. Yeah. And then it'd be Fajardo, Wentworth, uh, now Rothermel, I guess, kind of fighting over that third spot and then rotating through those weekday games. But I don't know. Speculation. But Rothermel, he honestly had better control of his slider and curveball this game than he had of his fastball, which, first off, Paul... Yeah. Secondly, please keep doing that because when his curveball is on, it's gross. It's disgusting. Like I, yeah. I, I, I struggle to call anything unhittable at like the college level. He's getting pretty close. <laughs> yeah, curveball. Watching the baseball analytics page uh, show the uh, drop on it and the spin rates. I mean, he's getting above MLB average uh, spin rate on his curveball right now. And uh, the drop is phenomenal and he's placing it really well. Everything about it just oozes confidence uh, from a pitching perspective. So I hope you can keep that up because uh, he is the announced day three starter uh, for this upcoming weekend. Uh, he he is the guy um, for Sunday against KU. But um, yeah, he was awesome in this uh, Creighton game. Uh, and then we only got one inning of tie rule and he took care of business because uh, this was a run rule affair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a 10 to zero run rule win against Crichton. 
And there isn't really much you could say. You know, we left five on base, but three of that was from Brendan Jones. Um, everyone except Cash Rugely and Brendan Jones in the starting lineup get at least one hit. Kalen Culpepper and Roberto Pena each get two. Kojo gets two. Uh, home runs from Cole Johnson. Uh, stolen bases, which has been a quiet part of our, our game. Uh, Nick Goodwin, Kalen Culpepper, Roberto Pena, and then uh, Cole Johnson. I laugh because Roberto Pena is not really known for known for his stolen base prowess. I seem to remember one of those was on a ball that got away. Uh, it's probably I, Pena. <laughs> probably Pena. Uh, he's not exactly a speed demon. He's not slow, but he's not a like he's he's not a stealing threat. He he's not Justin Mitchell from last year. No, no. Well, nobody's Justin Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> that that man, no offense, was maybe the slowest baseball player I've ever seen in my life. But I watched Prince Fielder. He was on that level. Uh, it's not company you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I there, not much to say about this one. It was a good game against a okay Crichton team. They were fourteen and twelve, and like for as much as we've kind of talked talked about the Batcats and talked about how they they've had a lot of shortcomings, they're twenty one and fourteen, which don't misunderstand. They should be better. The talent on the roster should be better, but they're not awful. No, they're just very annoyingly okay. Yeah. And they're they're beating up on teams that they're very clearly better than and putting up fights against teams that are better than they are and not being able to get over the hump. I, I, I think right now they're playing to a level that's exactly what they are as a team, which is fine. Yeah. They're they're an okay team with some bright spots, but also with a lot of holes. And they are an imperfect roster that has some incredible talent in some places. Guys like Tyson Neighbors and Caitlin Culpepper and Nick Goodwin uh, and Owen Borma has bars exceeded my expectations um, this year has become truly an ace uh, the start the starting lineup and has been other than Tyson Neighbors the only pitcher that game in game out you can rely on to deliver a really solid outing and this lineup has been inconsistent, but at its peak, it's a fighting for middle of the Big 12 lineup in a year where there's a lot of parity in the Big 12. Some of the worst teams have stepped up a little bit, and the teams that normally dominate uh, have come down to earth a little bit more. But at the end of the day, this team, I, I think we really know what they are at this point in the season, and it would really Fine take... team. Yeah, it would take a miracle to make a regional uh, out of that based on resume alone, um, especially especially considering some of the uh, losses that they've had. Uh, the uh, gosh, St. Thomas. Yeah, the St. Thomas. Thomas that lost lurks um, dropping the series to Baylor. That really hurts. Uh, sure, they have some quality wins. Um, but dropping the home series to West Virginia, that's a missed opportunity. Dropping the road series to Texas when you had the chance to win it, that's a massive missed opportunity. And I think this is going to, at this point in time, this is not a regional team. Um, despite maybe having 
talent that is regional level in certain places on the field. And guys that in the batting lineup uh, can go off at any point. Cole Johnson had a fantastic uh, game against Creighton, drawing a walk, gets the uh, walk-off home run, a three-run shot, uh, and was really good against Creighton uh, as a uh, as a hitter. And um, um, we saw Kyan Lotus again for the first time in what feels like quite a while. He registered an RBI hit and drew a walk, which was nice to see a young guy do well. Um, Rafael Pelletier was playing for some reason, catching the fourth day in a row. I am so sorry. But... Yeah, I, I probably should go to Lobliner. Yeah, Blob Liner, Caden Phillips, Phillips, someone else. Just put Dom Hughes back there. <laughs> okay, uh, don't do that. But <laughs> lefty catcher. That uh, and then that's not even the biggest concern. But <laughs> I uh yeah, I, I I do like this team, but this is still an admittedly frustrating team. Um this is a team that if they put everything together and Ty if Tyrol can figure it out. And Rothermel can lock down that number three starter spot and just be solid. Then this team could take a step, but they're at a point in the season with their record. They're basically going to have to win every series from here on out. They can maybe afford to, I think they can drop. I think you and I were talking about this. They can drop the Oklahoma state series in Stillwater and yeah. nobody's going to think less of them for that. Because <laughs> no. that, that Oklahoma state is just a really quality baseball team but um i don't know if rothermel can lock down at number three spot and jackson wentworth can take the uh carson seymour uh career arc and just become a really good reliever out of nowhere at the end of the season then all of a sudden we're looking at a team that could make some noise in marlington and go the semis again out of the losers bracket and come painstakingly close to making the regionals because that's kind of what this team feels like right that's now. That's what we're going to do. We do. We've done it, what, how many years in a row? Three? Um, as long as Pete's been here, I think we've made a little run in uh, in Arlington. I know we did last year, and I know we did the year before. Because the year prior, the only reason that we didn't uh, go to the, the championship reason. was we literally ran out of pitchers. We ran out of pitchers, and then I had to tell the story about no, I had to tell you the story about getting asked to to walk onto the baseball team. Oh and yeah, and then it be- became an in joke between you and I that I'm the reason why they didn't. <laughs> Absolutely, advance <laughs> reach. They needed um, a warm body. <laughs> uh, yeah, the last time we didn't pick up a win in a Big Twelve tournament that did happen, like one that was actually like so. Twenty twenty doesn't count. It was two thousand nineteen? That's Pete's first year. Um, we have historically been able to uh in Pete Hughes's tenure um been able to really make some noise down in Arlington. I know we're still over a month away from that, but this is a fun team to watch when they play baseball in uh, Arlington specifically. Uh, in the in the Big 12. Well, the, it was in a uh, Oklahoma City, I think, in 2021 because it, it's a recent move. But when they're playing in the Big 12 tournament, they are a very fun team. And I am hopeful that they can continue to be a fun team uh this year um and and maybe make some noise um down there but we're just gonna have to wait and see at this point it's still a long way out and there's still there's also still plenty of opportunities to um make our way into uh the 
um, NCAA tournament um, on our own merits, but we're running out of time there. Yeah. So the, the next series is up against KU in Lawrence and need to pick, we need to win that series. Then Wichita state. It's a one-off. Yeah. Uh, you like we need to win at least every series from KU to Oklahoma state. So that's KU, UC Irvine, Texas Tech at home. At home makes it doable. Um, Southeast Missouri State, if we lose a game in that series, I'll melt down. Uh, Oklahoma State, we, we're not winning that series. And then TCU in Toynton. So, like, could it happen? Yeah. Would I bet on it? No. Yeah, I think that's a good mindset to have. Um, I... I have no expectations at this point in time, but I would be very pleasantly surprised if the Batcats are able to make a really big run. Um, it wouldn't be the absolute most surprising thing in the world, um, just because we do know the Batcats have a history of uh, making those late season runs uh, and finding their stride late when they're pressed up against the wall. But we're going to have to find a way to be a competitive road team because, uh, seven of our next eight games are on the road from April 14th through uh, April 25th. Uh, we're playing seven road games, three of them at KU three at UC Irvine and then one at UC Riverside. And we get one game at home against Wichita state to break that up a little bit, but those odds are long. We have been statistically better on the road this year. We're eight and seven on the road, but four of those wins are against Stephen F. Austin, and that barely counts. And <laughs> so we're going to have to go be a KU team that has been pretty solid in Big 12 play so far and go play a California team, uh, UC Irvine team uh, on the road um, out in Cali and find a way to take some games from them that maybe we aren't expecting to win. Um, but I don't know, man. It's a... Uh, um, it's tough sledding um, at this point in time. I, I'm hopeful. I, I, yeah, I guess that's the best way I would describe it. Is I would describe it as as a hopeful feeling. But, yep, that is the uh, bat cats. Now we can talk about men's golf. They ended up getting third place at the Tiger Collegiate Invitational. Which Tigers, you might be asking, the Missouri Tigers. <laughs> and they uh, get the eighth top five finish of the year, which ended up kicking them to top 23 in the nation. In I'm not sure if it's an AP poll. I'm not sure how they exactly I, calculate this. I, I highly doubt that they make the AP wire vote on college golf. But uh I mean we I, we're doing a pod poll about football, so maybe I don't know. Football and golf, I just don't know if we can compare, but yeah, I you I, know I, what? I, yeah, I, I guess that's a fair point. <laughs> I imagine it's a coach's poll, probably, but whatever poll it is, we're 23rd in the country, which feels nice. Mm-hmm. And uh we probably should have gotten second, honestly. Yeah. Uh in this uh in this meet. Uh, we had a Luke O'Neill um, from K-State. He finished tied for six at minus 11, but we didn't have him on our uh, five-person uh, score sheet. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so he he didn't count towards our team totals, even though he was the highest finishing uh, individual. So if we had had him on our uh, sheet, then we go from finishing like minus 36. 36 as a team. That probably passes Missouri. Missouri is minus 40. Yeah. So we only need four additional strokes there. And uh, we were not beating Illinois. We were no that one was, was not, beating Illinois. That was simply not going to happen. That minus 68. <laughs> yeah. And uh, O'Neill finished 10 spots ahead of the guy that finished, or 10 strokes ahead of the guy that finished fourth for K-State. And they, apparently they only count the top four guys towards uh, placement. I did not realize that until recently. But uh, so finishing 10 strokes ahead there, uh, if Luke O'Neill is inserted into the uh, lineup, K-State would have gotten second by six strokes. But still can't complain too much about third. Uh, and finishing 10 strokes clear of Marquette in fourth. So all in all, pretty solid there. And I also saw that individually, um, I believe it's uh, uh, Tim Tillmans and Will Hopkins. They're both top 25 as individuals now. Uh, so that, that's pretty cool. We're looking at a team that's, I think, going to make NCAA regionals and mm-hmm. um, maybe even go a little bit further than that, uh, which I, I, I truly don't remember the last time that we really like, I, I don't think I don't remember the last time we sent a team to regionals like, uh, and like performed at any decent level. Apparently we did last year. Um, but, um, uh, we've not really been a fantastic golf team in the past. So something to keep an eye on, I guess. And, but yeah, solid showing out in Columbia. Yep. Then the that that's a men's golf. Women's golf ended up playing uh tying eighth of nine in Big 12 match play, ended up tying with uh Oklahoma or no wait. Ended up tying with Tech. Texas Tech for uh eighth. Wait, no, place. they did they did tie with Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied with Oklahoma for eighth place, which was last. Uh <laughs> it's been a pretty up and down season. Other than competing at the Bruzzy. Um doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Honestly. So who really won? But it, it was uh, pretty much yeah, that's just how it went. We ended up going up against Oklahoma, who was the bottom seeded team, and then KU, who for some reason is the top seeded women's team in the Big Twelve. Funnily enough, both were uh three two victories, which they're calculated, I'm pretty sure by a like a, a versus format so like your best golfer goes up against theirs so on and so forth uh, so we dropped to KU three to two and we beat Oklahoma three to two so at least we're consistent I guess but yeah um just nothing crazy there I guess we'll go play at the Big 12 championship here pretty soon for both men's and women's yeah that's coming up because match play is different yeah. Um, which makes me wonder why they do it, but all right. And I don't know, man. But now, yeah, the women's golf team they have Big 12 title, uh, coming up in Dallas, the Dallas Athletic Club. Sadly, not the Brezzy, so we don't care. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the men's team for some reason it's in Hutch, it's in Hutchinson, Kansas, at a country club there, Prairie Dunes. 
Um, don't know why. I don't know if they got the memo. There's not a Big 12 school in Hutchinson, Kansas, but they. <laughs> I guess they can have it there if they want. Who are we to stop them? Yeah. Yeah, that is the all the news segments for this week. Now we can get into the wacky news segment of the week and then the actual wacky segment of the week. The The wacky news segment of the week is the battle of the titans that just occurred in media personalities. It was RJ Garcia in a Hang With Tang episode. And before you ask, if you haven't seen it, I don't care about the the rest of the engagement for the episode. You stop listening to this episode right now. And you go find the RJ Garcia hang with Tang. That is more important than anything else we are about to say in the next five to 10 minutes. <laughs> it yeah. was an experience that I cannot describe in words. Um, I, I was very happy that they decided to do it. And I'm glad they thought of it because it was something it's something that makes such perfect sense. But I had never considered it until mm-hmm. I saw that they had a picture of RJ at the hang with Tang thing. And all of a sudden just clicked in my mind and, I was and then like, you're like oh. good job rj good job I, that's exactly what i thought took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth but i'm so happy they did uh, it was super funny i'm glad that coach tang's still doing the hang with tang hmm. uh even though it's been it's been like a year i think ish since he started it probably well no he started it no he started it fall. uh yeah in the fall of this last semester yeah. but I'm he's thinking, still I'm, doing it yeah I, I i was thinking about like some of the outreach stuff i that he was doing to campus mm-hmm. um back like in the spring but no, I'm, I, I'm happy to see the football and basketball teams kind of come out and support each other. Um, I, I, I'm happy to see that uh, we're we're kind of like taking both of them, kind of peaking uh, in terms of uh, relevancy and uh, um, like public notoriety, and we're trying to take advantage of that from a social media perspective. I, I we've got a pretty savvy social media team at k-state so i'm glad to see that we're utilizing those resources towards trying to improve the profile of both football and basketball by using both to help each other yeah that, that that's the news segment it's just amazing to, to watch yeah it was cool yeah the the question segment is if the football team were to star in a movie what genre would the movie be and it can't be a sports movie so who would you like to go first in this scenario here I think I have an idea. Okay. I'm going to say musical. I, I would, I would love to see one of the offensive linemen lead uh, a musical. Uh, I could be persuaded to cast as a lead, any of the following three. And that would be Cooper BB Hayden Gillum or KT Leviston. And they could be the leads uh and i don't know go on some sort of journey of some sort i i'm not, i don't really have the plot fleshed out but that's not the prompt the prompt is what genre would it be and i think a musical would be entertaining yeah can you imagine like a a duet between like will howard and the entire offensive line and they just somehow come up with like a four like a three-part harmony with each one paired in twos that would be pretty great <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Uh, I, I I just want to see the offensive line do more stuff together. Period. Like it's I want to a see, it's a character group. Yeah, I want to see them get like joint nil deals and stuff like that. 
Like, I'm so waiting for the five. I'm five guys, waiting for someone to get yeah. the five guy, like the the offensive line to get the five guys nil. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. It hasn't happened yet. That's something that we've been talking about for a while now. I feel like, and it's shocking to me that five guys is not taking advantage of that perfect marketing opp- marketing opportunity. And if there was a Culver's in Manhattan, I know that Hayden Gillen would be all over that. But, oh yeah. Um, which fair to him, Culver's is pretty solid, but um. Yeah, that, that, that's my genre as musical. I'd like to see the offensive line get up to more antics and shenanigans together. But what are your Some thoughts? tomfoolery. Yeah, malarkey, if you will. Some hullabaloo. Um, out of words, man. Sheboingery. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I honestly, the so it would be, for me, it would be the really, really cheesy 80s action movies. And the main one that I'm thinking of right now is The Running Man. But instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's just, oh, who would I want for that? Who would I want to fill the role of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Those are some big shoes to fill. Yeah. Um, Daniel Green. I'll have Daniel Green be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then it's just like really cheesy, really bad, like 80s action where every like every single position skill group links up together and they all have to like have the you know actually i guess you'd have to pick the most which which position group you like the best and they have to be the protagonists and everyone else just kind of gets the short end of the stick another fun one i just thought of this would be a remake of Scott Pilgrim, but it's just Avery Johnson having to go against uh, all of uh, K-State's former quarterbacks. <laughs> Fighting for the heart of Colin Klein, who is also there as a quarterback. <laughs> yes, exactly right. That's a, that's a, a, a wonderful story between Avery Johnson and Colin Klein, as well as a coming-of-age story individually for... Uh, Avery so I I think that could be an entertaining movie potentially but would you include current K-State quarterbacks or just ones from the past um they could cameo um <laughs> but I think that um it would need to be like all-time grades like okay. it, how many are there in Scott Pilgrim there's like seven or nine there's seven evil exes in Scott yeah, Pilgrim seven so we'd have to find seven k-state greats uh for avery johnson to have to like defeat in like quarterback skills competitions or something (laughs) just one random one is a battle of like all the rest of them are are completely related sensical quarterback competitions or like fort like athletics competitions there's just one that's just the battle of the bands because you have to have of course avery johnson like just suddenly becomes one of the greatest guitar players of all time. And it's just because of his hair. Let's see if there's any former K-State QBs that are guitar proficient. If there was any, I feel like it'd be like Lynn Dickey. Yeah. Like, I don't know why just gives off the vibes, I guess, but I have no justification beyond that, but we'll see. (laughs) Okay. Before this turns into another Mount Everest and the Sphinx episode, Wait, I think we should cut it off here. That's a good idea. (laughs) But thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. 
If you want to contact or follow the show, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AggievilleACats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tank Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.